So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. They test and they test. We got tests that people don't know what's going on. We got tests. We got another one over here. The young man's 10 years old. He's got the sniffles. He'll recover in about 15 minutes. That's a case. Add up to it. That's a case. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranik, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? So this week, we're returning to a more modern political speech as a break from our series that we've done on historical speeches, rallies, and debates. And in this episode, we're headed to the Midwest to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Donald Trump recently held his first campaign rally during the national pandemic. Now, this speech is important because Trump was really eager to get back out there onto the campaign trail to prove that he still has that same grassroots enthusiasm on his uh, campaign as he did the last time, and also to prove to the American people that there's no need to fear this virus anymore. Now, as you may already know, that wasn't quite the case because he had a little bit of a more sparse turnout than he really thought that he would. So let's dive in now with this first clip and hear what he has to say. So we begin, Oklahoma, we begin. Thank you, Oklahoma. And thank you to Vice President Mike Pence. We begin, we begin our campaign. We begin our campaign, and I just want to thank all of you. You are warriors. I've been watching. I've been watching the fake news for weeks now, and everything is negative. Don't go. Don't come. Don't do anything today. It was like I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. You are warriors. Thank you. We had some very bad people outside. We had some very bad people outside. They were doing bad things. But I really do. I appreciate it. We have uh, just a tremendous group of people in Oklahoma. And I hear... I hear from your two great senators and your governor that we're doing very well in Oklahoma. That's the word. That's the word. I stand before you today to declare the silent majority is stronger than ever before. Five months from now, we're going to defeat sleepy Joe Biden. 
Boy, does he get a pass from these people, huh? We're going to stop the radical left. We're going to build a future of safety and opportunity for Americans of every race, color, religion, and creed. Republicans are the party of liberty, equality, and justice for all. We are the party of Abraham Lincoln, and we are the party of law and order. Think of what we've done. We will have close to 300 federal judges appointed and approved by the end of my first time. That's an all-time record. That's an all-time record. I've always heard how important judges are. Now we know how important they are. Think of that, over 300, around 300 by the end of the term. And when we have another four years, we're going to have a big, big percentage of the total number. Very important. November 3rd. And two great Supreme Court judges. So we have two justices of the Supreme Court. Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh. They're great. They're great. They are. They're great. We have two. And we could get a few more. Yeah, we could get a few more. We've spent over $2 trillion to completely rebuild the unmatched strength and power of the United States military. And all of that incredible equipment, whether it's submarines or missiles or rockets or jet fighters, bombers, it's all built in the USA. So now before we get to breaking down that first clip right there, we want to ask you to take the time to go to our Patreon page and be sure to support us there. You can find the link in the show notes or you can go to our website at spoonwillycorrect.com and in the top right corner, click on the support us tab. Now, this really matters because we, of course, do this show for free and we come to you every single week out of our own pocket, paying server fees, taking time out of our busy day to be right here and to bring this great content because we love it and we're never going to run ads. But if you want to do something special for us, go ahead and head to our Patreon page, donate as little as five bucks just to help us pay the server costs and we'll do the rest. Now, let's get to breaking down this first clip here. All right, so here we're listening to Trump starting off really repeating Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. So this is a pace, of course, such that he keeps repeating the name of their state. He knows that if you say someone's state when you're doing a rally, they're going to cheer and they're going to cheer for their pride of that state. So the more he says it, and he says it like four, five, six times, which is a lot, but Donald Trump knows the power of this. He knows the power of repetition. Um, Repetition 
more you repeat something, the more that it gets into a person's brain and it tends to stick in their memory. So repetition is important. He keeps saying Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. And he starts to talk about how he's thanking Mike Pence. Okay, so that's the very first thing. And so Pence came on the stage before him, of course, and Pence was describing what, well, what we have come to know from the Trump administration, which is talking about the great American comeback. Yeah, you know, that great American comeback that Trump talked about in his State of the Union that actually has been a part of just about every rally and speech that he talks about. And it's about the silent majority finally having a voice. So the silent majority, like think about that concept, right? There's a majority, but they're silent. They're not saying anything. There's this tension beneath the surface, right? That is ready to bubble up and they're stronger. What does that mean? It's a, you know, an unspecified word there. They're stronger than ever before. And so he really goes into that and he starts to talk about how they're going to defeat Joe Biden and build a future of safety. And then he starts describing what the Republican Party is all about. And I just love this part here because he talks about how Republicans are the party of liberty, equality and justice for all. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's within the Pledge of Allegiance. We're the party of Abraham Lincoln. We are the party of law and order. Special Victims Unit, of course. Now, when he starts talking about this Pledge of Allegiance, you know, it's worth going back here to a little bit of history because who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance? Well, that was a guy named Francis Bellamy. And Bellamy was a Baptist minister and what's known as a Christian socialist who actually believed very strongly that capitalism was rooted in idolatry and greed and certainly would not have liked Donald Trump or his policies. And, of course, we know that the current Republican Party of Donald Trump, yeah, it's technically true that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, but we know that the party of Donald Trump was not what Abraham Lincoln stood for back then in those days, not at all. And, in fact, many of the things that Trump stands for now, Lincoln would have almost certainly have opposed. And so it's interesting how he's calling back to these historical figures, but really relying on people's lack of knowledge of what actually happened in history to be able to kind of pass this under under the radar there. So this is how he starts his whole speech and really starts then talking about his accomplishment of how many justices he's approved and how um, that's a all-time record, an all-time record, like it's a sports game. How many justices can I get approved? And uh, what's the score there up on the scoreboard? Yeah, speaking of justices there, you know, Donald Trump likes to do this. Notice how in that speech right there, he said, you know, nobody ever thought justices were that important. I never thought that justices were that important. He says things like that a lot where, you know, you never really think about how important justices are, but turns out they're really important. Now, it's hard to tell whether he actually thought any of that. But what it does do is it enables the listener to place themselves into a new experience. So a lot of listeners, I'm sure, might be hearing about Supreme Court justices for the first time uh, during, you know, President Trump's term. Because, you know, as we know, Donald Trump 
turned on a lot of sporadic voters, people who hadn't been involved in the political system before. So they are learning about things like Supreme Court justices and federal court justices being important. They're hearing about that for the first time. And so Donald Trump here is able to step into those shoes and play somebody who didn't know that any of those things were important and is now very surprised that these are important. And uh, and so it enables the listener to relate to Donald Trump in a new way. He also likes to do this thing where, you know, he, he repeats sort of the greatest hits. And so, you know, he's done so many of these rallies and people like to liken him to a, you know, a rock musician or like a uh, comedian you know, they've got their greatest hits, they've got their best jokes. He gets up there and he sort of repeats the same phrases over and over again that have a carried meaning because he's done this so many times. He's explained what all of these things mean that he just needs to say like one phrase or one couple of words to get people to bring back all of the experiences, thoughts and feelings that they've had from listening to him before to sort of get them energized and into the mood of the new speech that he's giving right now. He does that with things like, you know, the silent majority is stronger than ever before. Now, that's something that he's explained previously, what the, uh, the silent majority means and how he's sort of reframing that from, you know, the, the, uh, the sort of religious movement of the 90s, the 80s and 90s. He's reframed that in previous speeches and is now bringing sort of that experience back again here. He talks about that Abraham Lincoln quote that Taylor brought up. That's another one where he's, you know, done it over and over and sort of explained the framing around that. And he's bringing it up again. And then we get to the whole thing about strengthening the the U.S. military. Again, he has sort of played this out previously where he talks about the military commanders coming up to him. You know, we've got no bullets, sir. Like, what do we do? And he talks about how he he funded the military and uh, strengthened it. And so he's just going through bullet by bullet all the things that he's done previously and uh, sort of hyping this crowd up here. And that's what we see. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be hearing Trump talking about one of his favorite subjects, or at least it soon will become one of his favorite subjects, Joe Biden, or as he calls him, Sleepy Joe. So let's listen to how Trump goes right after Biden here, um, just a few minutes into his speech. And with the help of our great energy workers, many of them come from the great state of Oklahoma. Do you ever notice that Biden... No, do you ever notice that Biden oftentimes gets the state wrong? He's in Iowa, and he says, it's good to be in Idaho. No, no, you're in Iowa. He's in New Hampshire, and he says, it's great to be in Ohio. No, 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 you're in New Hampshire. That happens to him all the time. Hasn't happened to me yet. You know, when that happens, there's nothing you can do to make up for it. You might as well just walk off the stage because the speech is a disaster. Right? Right? But we just turned the United States into the dominant energy superpower of the world, of the world. And because of the Chinese virus, 
what happened about three months ago. It looked like we were in big trouble, and we were, and I got it back together. I called Russia. I called, right? I called Russia. I called Saudi Arabia. And believe it or not, I called Mexico. Mexico was a little bit tough. That's called OPEC Plus. Did you ever hear of OPEC Plus? That's OPEC Plus Plus. And we got them to do the right thing. And we have our energy back to up almost $40 a barrel, meaning you have an energy business again. Almost $40 a barrel. A couple of months ago, it was zero, and we were going to lose 10 million energy jobs, 10 million jobs. So Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota and many other states would have been hurt. Now, you think you're going to be hurt there. You try putting AOC in charge of your energy. That will make the pandemic look like child's play to the people in energy. She has one problem, it's called petroleum. No president or administration has done more in the first three and a half years than the Trump administration. Not even Trump. Nobody. Our incredible success in rebuilding America stands in stark contrast to the extremism and destruction and violence of the radical left. We just saw it outside. You just saw it outside. You saw these thugs that came along. These people call them protesters. Isn't it beautiful? It's so beautiful. No, they're so wonderful. They call them the Boston Tea Party. That's so wonderful. So here we hear something that Donald Trump is sort of newly rolling out about Joe Biden, or Sleepy Joe, as he calls him. Another one of those moments where he calls back to previous speeches and previous criticisms um, that he's made. So he sort of walks the listener through a Biden speech. You know, he sort of starts off like that, that stand-up comedian sort of voice. Do you ever notice how, you know, Biden oftentimes gets the state wrong? Um, You can almost like insert Jerry Seinfeld instead of Donald Trump there and, and sort of you can see what he's doing there and how talented he is at doing this. You know, that happens to him all the time. Hasn't happened to me yet. Um, and he's contrasting himself with Joe Biden, with this straw man Joe Biden he's built up. The one that walks onto stage and forgets where he is, which, you know, who knows, probably has happened once or twice in the past, uh, has said the wrong state name. Every single politician has done this, including Donald Trump. But, you know, he is able to take that moment that he's made up and then narrate it in a way so that a person out there listening to the audience is building this make-believe scenario in their head and then walking them through sort of uh, both imaginative scenarios and then the uh, logical conclusions that come from that. So we've got, you know, some person, maybe it's the listener themselves, maybe it's, you know, maybe one of Joe Biden's imaginary assistants coming up and saying, no, no, it's this other state. No, no. And, you know, Donald Trump is able to sort of make that voice and sort of pretend to be somebody having that sort of emotion there and then contrast it to himself as you haven't seen me ever do anything like that. Nope. It's just sleepy Joe. And 
it's this thing that Donald Trump does where he builds himself up by tearing the other person down or other people across the board, whether they're candidates, other politicians, or people in the media. He reframes them, tears them down, and then brags about his ability to do something that he says that they can't do. And that is a new way of campaigning that a lot of politicians haven't done before because, you know, I think a lot of people think that it's untoward to get up and brag about something that you can do that other people can't in such a direct way. But what Donald Trump does is he sort of builds it into that stand-up comedy routine where it's, you know, funny and people are able to laugh at this made-up scenario. And then he's able to sort of make that pivot and say, you know, I'd never do that. You know, you might as well get off the stage if you do that. I'd never do that. I'm I'm the one who cares about you and cares about the places that I'm in. And so that's what I think is really brilliant about that part. Yeah, and we then hear him continuing talking about how he solved the virus. You know, he talks about it because of the Chinese virus, it looked like we were in big trouble, and we were. And I got it back together, he says. I called Russia. I called Saudi Arabia, and I even called Mexico. So he makes it seem like the Chinese people sabotaged us or attacked us, right? Like this was a this was a Chinese invasion that he is, you know, putting up. Like it was the Chinese people went to war. Well, what is that? That's a conspiracy theory, right? He's playing right into that. Um, and then he makes it seem like he personally solved that with just a few phone calls. You know, that's that's what happened here is that he made a few phone calls and he solved it. And he not only stopped the virus because that's not a problem anymore. I mean, not only, you know, solved that, but he personally got oil back to forty dollars a barrel and it had nothing to do with OPEC plus and it had nothing to do with um you know, any other, anything else. But then he really links this directly to the state. So he says, you know, Texas, North Dakota, Oklahoma, those are the energy jobs. We got back the jobs. So then everyone who's in Oklahoma starts applauding because what they want to hear is he's doing something for us, for our state. He's not doing stuff for those people in Washington. He's doing stuff for the important jobs that we have here. And, you know, maybe they know someone who has an energy job or who, you know, works in the energy sector. Well, he's bringing it back to their job. So he actually saved their job. And it's this way where he is able to convince them all that actually we're making progress here. You know, we we turned the U.S. into the dominant energy superpower in the world. And so as a result of that, we're just basically making progress. Like, no, we haven't had a step back due to the pandemic, that has not occurred. That's already been solved. Um, there's been all this progress. And then, you know, of course, toward the end here, he you know, a speech wouldn't be complete without him bringing up his favorite villains on the radical left, you know. And, you know, Joe Biden is maybe one of them, but for sure, AOC, right? You bring in AOC and really talking about that and how that would hurt and that would be, you know, her problem. But I love this part here where he's saying, you know, she has a problem. She has one problem. It's called petroleum. And then he just completely changes topic to talk about something else. Um, but it's really, you know, interesting how he brings her up and then really talks about how her one problem is 
petroleum. What does that mean? Who knows? But he kind of throws that in and, you know, everyone rallies because, of course, he's saying, you know, something not so good about that hated figure, AOC. So in this next clip here, we're going to be talking about the virus. And Donald Trump really has a special way of framing the virus to his most loyal supporters. So let's take a listen to exactly what he says about this whole situation that we're all in and about how maybe some other politicians might be handling it differently from his own. And they never talk about COVID. They don't talk about when you see 25,000 people walking down Fifth Avenue or walking down a street of a Democrat-run city. You never hear them saying, they're not wearing their mask. You don't hear them say, as they're breaking windows and running in, and then when I say the looters, the anarchists, the agitators, they say, what a terrible thing for our president to say. What a terrible thing. But you don't hear them talking about COVID. COVID. To be specific, COVID-19. That name gets further and further away from China, as opposed to calling it the Chinese virus. And despite the fact that we, I, have done a phenomenal job with it, I shut down the United States to very heavily infected, but all people from China, in late January, which is months earlier than other people would have done it, if they would have done it at all. I saved hundreds of thousands of lives. We don't ever get even a mention. Then I closed it down to Europe early. Closed it down because I saw what was happening. And by the way, most people said, don't do it. Don't do it. We saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And all we do is get hit on like we're terrible. And what we've done with the ventilators and with the medical equipment and with testing, you know, testing is a double-edged sword. We've tested now 25 million people. It's probably 20 million people more than anybody else. Germany's done a lot. Uh, South Korea's done a lot. They call me, they say, the job you're doing, here's the bad part. When you test, a, when you do testing to that extent, you're gonna find more people, you're gonna find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. They test and they test. We got tests that people don't know what's going on. We got tests. We got another one over here. The young man's 10 years old. He's got the sniffles. He'll recover in about 15 minutes. That's a case. Add up to it. That's okay. That's okay. I was actually with a very nice man, very good man, even though he's very liberal, the governor of New Jersey, right? We know him? Now listen, he said to me something that's amazing. New Jersey was very heavily hit, very hard hit, thousands of people. He said, with thousands of people that died, thousands of people, there was only one person that died 
under the age of 18. Would you believe that? Which tells me one thing, that kids are much stronger than us. When you see a little kid running around, say, boy, oh boy, do you have a great immune system. How about a piece of your immune system? They don't even know about this. Let's open the schools, please. Open. Open the schools. We got to get them open. In the fall, we got to get them open. The unhinged left-wing mob is trying to vandalize our history, desecrate our monuments, our beautiful monuments, tear down our statues, and punish, cancel, and persecute anyone who does not conform to their demands for absolute and total control. We're not conforming. That's why we're here, actually. All right. So here we hear Donald Trump continuing to describe about the protesters. And, you know, he says, you you don't hear. You got 25,000 people walking down a Democrat-run city. And they don't say you're not wearing a mask. They don't say it. They don't say it. The looters, the rioters, the anarchists. So notice how he is conflating peaceful protesting with someone who is a looter or a rioter or an anarchist. And there is this theory that's being promoted on the right wing that, you know, effectively all protesters are going into buildings and setting things on fire and, you know, spray painting uh, cars and car dealerships and, you know, stealing things and there's this sense of that's what all of them are doing. And the truth is, of course, is that there has been a ton of criticism to say, you know, wear a mask. And um, the people who were peacefully protesting, there was a real um, urge for everyone who was going to protest to, you know, to wear a mask. But notice how he how flippantly he treats the whole thing at being able to say, you know what, they don't really have a right to protest. They are. Um, vandalizing our history, desecrating our monuments, our beautiful monuments, like he said in his State of the Union, the beautiful Alamo. And they're going to tear down our, our statues, and we're not conforming. We are not conforming. That's why we're here. And so notice how he's speaking to that very energized base that doesn't want any rules placed upon them, that doesn't want to be told wear a mask, that doesn't want to be told you know, do something different from what you have been doing, even if it's for everyone else's good. And he is uh, really, you know, uh, playing into that. And it's just amazing how he speaks in these, you know, kind of vague terms, but is able to um, focus on energizing that part of the base, you know, while uh, I don't know how he gets away with it. You know, I don't think he's really attracting a lot of the more, you know, moderate, uh, moderate people there. Then there was this part here where Donald Trump was talking about COVID and he's talking about the testing and he realizes that, of course, when you test, you get more cases. And then he says, so I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. And uh, I don't quite know what to think about that. That's a little bit uh, that's a little bit nuts there that he actually admits now that he has told people to slow testing down um, during a pandemic. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it's really weird the way that he brings up, you know, the virus in this section here. 
you know, he starts with that whole thing of, you don't hear them talking about COVID, which is first thing, you don't hear about them talking about COVID. <laughs> but then he just then he just keeps saying it over and over and over again, you know, and this is his way here of reframing what the name of the virus is, bringing it back to China and then bringing up the whole China virus thing here. So you're leading somebody from, you know, a term that they know and that has been reframed by the media and then saying it over and over and over again. So it sounds so monotonous and mundane. And then he brings it over to the Chinese virus, which has a lot of mental sort of emotion for a lot of his supporters and the people listening, because they all remember when Donald Trump rolled out the China virus thing and everybody reacted to it. And, you know, this is maybe maybe this is what he meant by, you know, you don't hear people talking about uh, how it's from China. And um, and so, you know, this is a thing that Donald Trump does a lot. First, you know, talking about the thing that he wants to talk about, but then also framing it in the context of nobody else is talking about this. Nobody is bringing this up. I'm the only one who's saying this. But in reality, we live in a world where a lot of people are all saying the same thing as him, only in, you know, different sectors of the media. And so when he says nobody is talking about this thing, I think a lot of the time he talk, he's really talking about the uh, mainstream media, or perhaps, you know, left wing outlets, things and places that, you know, aren't sort of kowtowing to his specific point of view. And so this is interesting because a lot of people who are in his rally and who are watching this type of thing are people who might only watch one news outlet or a handful of right wing news outlets. And so they actually don't hear what is going on in the uh, more moderate or the left wing news media. And so when he says you don't hear about this. He's able to sort of create this, you know, straw man, uh, fake set of uh, news outlets that are either moderate or liberal that allegedly aren't talking about any of the things that he's bringing up when, you know, in reality, how would the listener know? Because they're not listening to these things either. So Donald Trump is able to portray the moderate or left wing media as uh, as saying whatever it is that comes out of his mouth without you know, really having that critical faculty within the listener to be able to challenge the way that he's framing the liberal media because they don't pay attention to it. They're only listening to, you know, Fox News or perhaps whatever, you know, right wing outlets that they might be listening to. And so this is something that's really interesting. Whenever you hear Donald Trump say, nobody is ever talking about this. You don't hear people saying um, that's really the the sort of coded thought process that he's bringing people into right here. And then he gets into this whole thing about minimizing the actual virus itself. So he brings up this aspect of the virus where young people are uh, supposedly more uh, more resilient to the virus itself. And so what he does here is he's saying, you know, they're counting people left and right. They're, you know, counting so many people. This young man has sniffles. He's 10 years old. He'll recover in about 15 minutes. Um, And then it's almost as if he's stepping into like a play or an imaginative scenario where perhaps some doctor is pointing out this kid that's got the sniffles. 
And then somebody else steps in and says, that's a case. And he even like raises his finger and, you know, sort of uh, um, changes his bodily affect to be as though it is a different person who is now pointing out this new case. And so he's able to take a listener from storytelling time to then acting out the story with characters um, and everything without even, you know, it's, it's so natural the way that he's able to do this. And behind it all is feeding into conspiracy theories, trivializing the impact of the virus and implying that it's nothing more than a common cold. And yet everybody is overreacting. But he doesn't say any of that, really. He just acts out a little imaginary play storytelling and is able to imbue it with all of these ideas that I just mentioned. And that's really brilliant the way that he does that. All right. I think that's all the time that we've got for today. Remember, if you love the show, to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at SubliminalPod. And if you really enjoy it, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars. That's the right amount of stars to give for the show. And of course, we really appreciate your support. So please check out our Patreon page. That is in the link and is in the show notes. You can do it for just a few dollars to support the show. Keep us on the air coming to you week by week and on the support us tab on our website and we will see you again next week.